You are listening to The Benchcast with your host, Elvis Mendez and Coach Ben. This is take two. I guess we weren't recording a little bit earlier. It yeah. is Halloween. Halloween today, and um, we had a pleasant surprise this morning. Someone dressed up as Elvis, and that made my day. Um, she had everything down. It was it was to a T. Had the the big thick, burly black hair, big old beard, check mark. Had the the big thick glasses, black glasses that he wears, check mark. All right, you're seeing him here on the IG live. You know what he wears. You know the deal. It's on my IG story if you want to check it out. And uh, wore the beanie. She even came in with the camera. Probably the exact beanie. Yeah, she had the, the Nikon camera as well, ready to shoot. And um, it was a perfect, it was a great match. I said the only thing that she was missing, though, was those big-ass knees. And the size differential is unreal on those knees. Uh, Elvis is coming in on a whopping two inches bigger than every other human being's knees. Um, but it was a great surprise, great costume. And, uh, you know, there's some in the past that have dressed up as, as me and did the, the coach bed here, com. If you want to do that, guys, I'll still throw a shirt to whoever wants to do that and post it up. Um, but, uh, anyways, that was a cool, that was cool this morning to, uh, to see that. Um, and, uh, we got a great podcast for you today on Halloween. We, uh, spooky season. We actually got a question to start it off. Can't All keep right. him waiting. He's already, here's the intro already. So. All right. Some um, five Kavik Philip tell something about food and cal- caloric intake before the meat. All right, uh, so we'll touch on that. I'm gonna get into that in a little bit. My recommendations with with food and, and calories and whatnot. Uh, so I marked that down for you, bud. Um, you know, I would I would give it to you, the answer to you now, but uh, that will go that will flow better near the end of the podcast so that section will be in there um and i'll certainly touch on that i appreciate that i did not have that down to touch on that is a great point so uh we will get to that for sure so um i pulled a lot of you and uh, just more in general wanted to hear about um your programming in specific so i put out a poll on instagram many of it came back and we'd like to hear more programming how you uh deliver those results to your team so that's what we're talking about today is, is more or less the peaking going into the meat, how to actually get ready for the meat and some fundamentals there that we, we stick by. Okay. Um, first off, before we get into it, shit, I don't have it with me. Um, uh, one of my laptop. Elvis, can you talk to the people real quick? Yeah, sure. Talk to the people on the podcast. Explain, you know, go through the process of your, your first meet and maybe some things that you wish you did differently. Obviously, we know the story. It did not turn out how you would like. It was probably like one of the worst meets ever. I think you bombed on squats, right? Bombed on bench. We've heard this story on, on a couple <laughs> podcasts. Bombed on bench. Uh, obviously, it did not go well. Why don't you just tell the people a little bit about... Uh, what you might have done differently leading up. I'm going to grab the laptop for I'm going to give the people some big nose and meat peeking. All right, guys. So my very first meet, I was all self-programmed, and I actually found some very good resources, but and you're young and you're naive. You don't know any better, and you kind of just go guns blazing. So uh, in, in my peak cycle, I, I know for sure what I did wrong. Um, just because you feel so strong when you're peaking and you're so used to higher volume and really killing it week in, week out. So that when you actually go and 
you know, taper back the volume a little bit. The intensity also goes back down a little bit. You just feel so much stronger. So when you go into the gym itself, you just want to crush it. And I hit all my PRs two weeks before my meet. And that just, that was absolutely brutal. Because I just didn't get to perform it on the platform. Ended up taking uh, some good squats. That was fine. On bench, I was a little overzealous. And I uh, ended up bombing out on bench. And uh, didn't even get deadlift. That was where the money was. So... So what was what would you have done differently in the? I would not have taken PR attempts two weeks out. <laughs> I see. All right, that'll explain a lot. Listen, I was telling people like you feel so strong, you know. If you, if you peak right, you feel so good in the gym. You just want to crush it. That is something that we will uh, we'll talk about for sure. That's on the the no no list. But Elvis had to find out the hard way. Um, but I'm... do you think that actually? Was the result of why you didn't do so great that day, or was it something else? Uh, the result of why I didn't do so great was definitely my meat preparation. I just didn't have food. Meat was longer than I thought it was going to be. All the things I, you didn't anticipate because it was your first meat. Yeah, but I was just like drinking straight water. I just had to pee every time. I was like getting uh, like salt depleted. But you learn from it, so there's there's positive things there. Yep. Now I have like a stack of noon tabs ready to go. That's right. meat. I said, guys. I mean, you know, I mean, if you have a coach going to do your first meat, you're going to be well off. But the first meet, you're, you're going to make mistakes. You know, I always tell them, you, just go in there, try to have fun. You know, you're probably going to do some dumb shit that happens. You're not going to be a pro first meet. But go in there, experience it, learn from it, have a good time. And that's all you can ask for. We've done a podcast before on first meet experience, so if you want to check that out. But uh, before we get started here, I wanted to give a shout out to those who leave reviews on uh, iTunes. This is iTunes specifically, so everyone would appreciate it greatly if you're listening to this and you like the content. Please go to iTunes, rate it five-star review, and leave us a little note. I would love to read it out on the podcast. So before we start, Ryan6F7. Ryan6F7 on iTunes. He left a five-star review. He said, fantastic. I was super excited to find this podcast. Refreshing to hear about equip lifting and all that goes with it. Coach Ben and Elvis seem like down-to-earth guys. I hope they keep it up. Well, we're keeping it up, Ryan. Appreciate your review. Five-star review for the BenchCast. So I appreciate all you guys. Um, please continue to leave your reviews. Um, I do read them and I check them. And I will shout you out on the podcast. So, again, thank you for that, Ryan. We have another question, too. Let's see if it, where it fits in the cycle. But how many days of rest before a meet? All right, we're going to kind of get into that as well. Um, so I know a lot of you guys have questions. Um, if we can try to fit it into the flow of the podcast, um, that'd be awesome. But um, I'm going to definitely touch on that. That's a really big aspect to rest and recovery. That's going to be huge. Um, and then also before I delve into really what I want to talk about with the Meat Peak, uh, our seven-week Shirted Meat Peak Bench Program. All right, now this can be run raw too. So if you're thinking it just applies to Shirted Lifters, that's not the case. This can be raw as well. You just have to make those changes to being out of a shirt. Uh, obviously, not much else going to change there. Um, but for that program, I'm giving a special discount, which I will release halfway through the podcast. I want you guys to actually go through and listen. And your reward for actually listening with us today and my uh, being appreciative of you of joining us here uh, halfway through this podcast and it won't be released till tomorrow. So if you're watching the IG Live, if you stick with us, guys, you're going to hear this discount code now. But you can get this seven-week bench program 
And I also opened it up to the eight-week bench program as well. I'm cutting that price in half. It is going to be 50% for the next week, okay? So that starts right now. I have the discount code. I will read halfway through this podcast, all right? But, um, guys, go get those programs. Uh, We just had a a beautiful review on the eight-week one specifically, 15-pound gain on that program, Um, tons of technique gain. So uh, these programs are the real deal. And they're 50% off for listening to the BenchCast. Alright guys, so meat peaking. What is the meat peak? How many weeks would you say is the is the actual peak? Um, to me, that is about the last 6 to 8 weeks leading up to a meet. Uh, if you're a newer lifter, I'm probably going to start getting those numbers ready for you around 8 weeks out. If you're a little more advanced, we could probably start pushing those specific numbers about six weeks out, okay? Um, but that's really the amount of time I'd say uh, a meat peak is. Would you agree with that? I always think that's fair, six to eight weeks or so. I think that's fair. I have uh, I know Paul Carter has a, a quick peak for a meat, too. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I want to say it's about five or three weeks. I forget which one so it like is. A, just get your ass ready to roll. Quick yeah, it's like a, oh, shit. I, uh, my meat's up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and guys, it also depends on your training, too, because if you're training like conjugate style where you're always max effort and whatnot, I mean, you're pretty good to jump into a meet whenever. So it depends how you structure your, your training because the way you train, you could be ready at any given time just because you're always handling heavy loads. Now, do I think that's the best approach? I don't think it's the worst approach. I don't think it's the best approach. I mean, it just fits the, the person right. It depends how you structure it. Um, I do think that type of approach lends itself to a higher injury potential. Um, but, you know, it depends on the person, their ability to recover, age, all that stuff factors into it. But anyways, guys, I figured I'd touch on that. Um, and then what is the goal of the meat peak? The goal in any scenario would be to prepare yourself to lift the most weight that you've ever lifted on a specific day and time. So everything that you're doing is to, at this specific date and time, at this time and time, you know, I'm trying to lift the most weight possible. I'm going to prepare my body for that at that specific time. So that's that's what a meat peak is, getting you ready for a very specific time. Okay, so... What are the strategies that we share? So there's a lot of ways that you can go about peaking for a meet. None are right, none are wrong, like I said. Um, you know, when you invest in me as a coach, something I always tell those um, who are looking to join our team is that, you know, if, when you're getting me, you're not getting a specific program. So I don't want to, um, you know, put that put this out to be like um, – if you invest in Swede to be your coach, Swede Burns, you know, he runs fifth set. You know, I don't know if he does that for all his athletes, so I'm not going to speak for him on that. But, um, you know, you know what type of training you're getting. If you invest in um, See, Jim when, Wendler, Jim Wendler, 531, you know you're probably training a 531. You know, when, when I have an athlete join me, I'm going to use very different looks of programming with everyone. Uh, depending on, you know, I'll, I might put something out there. Maybe it goes not the way we're hoping for the first. Maybe it's a little too complex. Maybe it's a little too simple. Um, it's really matching the right program for the person, and that is something I think that our program does better than anyone, um, is finding and, and modifying a program to a specific person. I put in a lot of time doing individual programming, 
You know, I will sit down for hours at a time to develop one program for our athletes, just one phase. Okay, so um, it's a highly individual thing. I keep it that way um, because I don't overload with athletes. We don't we don't take on more than we can handle. It, so I have the ability to actually individualize all that stuff how I would like. So. Um, all this is going to be different. So what I'm about to share with you are strategies. They're not specific. This is what you have to do to get ready for your meet. These are just strategies, um, things that no matter how I'm programming for someone are going to stay pretty standard across the board. Okay. So first one I would like to share with you is during this meet peak phase, we want to work with specific meet attempts. So um, I'll kind of get into how we're going to uh, judge you know what our openers are and our meet attempts but throughout training you know we have a pretty good idea of what you're capable of through certain indicator lifts and these can be amreps at a certain percentage rep maxes they could be um, you know hit as heavy as you can one rep max with reverse bands this day so from those indicator lifts it gives us a good idea of where your strength levels are at so throughout the course of any training cycle those are where we're going to start having an idea of what these meet attempts might be so if you're wondering how we come up with these numbers that's going to be it all right um so i want to take those specific numbers say someone is ready I'll, I'll use trey our athlete trey last meet as an example all right um you know there was days where he was pushing 310 plus off boards those are a good indicator i'm thinking over the course of time everything kind of leading up said he was going to bench about uh, 315 plus okay so i knew his second attempt was probably gonna be 300 and we're gonna go from there all right um so over the course of the training cycle during that meet peak um i specifically had him work with opener numbers his second attempt he ended up doing so i had had him go about 300 to 310 straight weight before the meet nothing more than that um, and then I think something higher than that, two boards as well, probably like 320 or so to a board as overload. And I'm going to get into that too. But uh, he, you can see he worked with specific numbers I wanted him to hit at the meet. What was the end result? Well, at the meet, he was really crushing his numbers. Um, you know, I figured that might be the case because this was his first training cycle with, with some structure leading into his first ever meet. And he ended up crushing, I believe it was 330 at the meet. So fantastic result um and he was able to work with those types of attempts in his hands uh, an example for me when i was you know pretty much pushing any of my numbers but when i was specifically training for like first 700 or when i hit 675 you know those times i was training for those numbers i was hitting those off different boards so a lot of my training was okay i want to hit 700 i'm going to start with handling it off a high board I'm going to start working the boards down slowly. Um, I'm going to hit the opener a few times. I'm going to work that second attempt down a board slowly, probably finish with hitting it off a half board near the end. Um, so that was a lot of the training. It was working with specific meet numbers, and that's what we'll try to do with our athletes. I'll have an idea what are those numbers going to be before this time, um, and then we're going to work with those specific numbers, get them ready to achieve it in the meet. Overload. All right, we just talked about that a little bit. You, you heard the example of how I use boards with Trey in the bench. We use boards quite a bit. Another thing you can use, the slingshot. You can use reverse bands. You heard a little bit about that. Those are great ways to um, get heavy weight in your hands or on your back and um, move that weight, but have it deload in the bottom in the weakest portion. So it's like you're moving that weight, 
but only for a portion of the lift. All right, and then what you can do is you can take away more tension or how much assistance you're getting from these things. You could use a really tight slingshot, work down to a looser slingshot. You could use a high board, work down in the boards. Uh, you can use a high tension reverse band, work down in the tension. And I also put in bands and chains, something that we also did. This is actually something Trey did as well. Um, we had a uh, session, a squat session. He actually came out to visit me in New York. We did a squat session. We were hitting heavy. Uh, for him, it was singles, but he had a lot of band tension at the top. So um, he was getting more to load, hitting them at the top. Uh, I had him at a straight weight in the bottom. So at the top, he was getting over 500-something on his back. In the bottom, he had like 450 or low 400, something like that. Okay, but he handled that really good. But again, working with what I wanted to hit at the meet, we wanted to see where he would be at there. You got a um, question too. Yeah. What do you think of Small Love Jr. before the meet? Small Love Jr. I haven't specifically run through that program or used that with my athletes. Um, that Small Love stuff seems like a lot of frequency and like a lot of volume. I'm not sure how it is on the intensity. I don't know if you have any experience with the Daryls. I, I know the. The intensity has to be a little lower just to... I imagine. Yeah, but... Uh, it, the volume I hear and the frequency is insane with it. It's just one of those things, like, I'm not too familiar with. Because, um, like, I've, the only thing I've ran, even ran close to that is a squat everyday program. Huh. But even that I wouldn't use for a meet. Just because the, yeah. like, the frequency is just too high. You don't really get to push the intensity too much. Yeah, if anything there, I'd say that, from what I know it to be, um, and again, I haven't really run through to use it with our athletes, but... Uh, from what I think it is, I would say that's probably better to use after a meet, uh, kind of in that down season phase, um, or like midway through or whatever, on a specific week lift maybe. But I, I would definitely wouldn't use it like during the peaking phase, maybe leading up to it. But that I don't see it applying well to that peaking phase. Yeah, yeah, I just don't see that. Um, and then taken away from your other lifts too, I'd imagine that would have to be the case because. There's only so much you can do, and if you're pushing squat five days a week, you know, it's going to kind of leave there to be less on your deadlift and bench. But anyways, uh, so hopefully that answers your question, my friend. I wish I ran through that a bit more, but just not something that I utilize much, but definitely more in the down season. Um, so, again, overload. Uh, those are probably the main modalities. Can you think of anything else? Else, I got reverse bands, bands, chains, boards, slingshot. Um, um, I know you like to use a lot, main of, ones. a lot of heavy holds. Kind of just prepare someone um, yeah, for the weight. Heavy holds, yeah. We'll actually go way over the max with the heavy holds. Um, so it's not just like you're holding the weight that you'd like to hit at the meet. Uh, we're holding weight during the peaking phase. That's a good one. We're actually holding way over what the max would be like you've seen jen thompson probably if anyone's familiar with jen thompson um she will hold like 500 something pounds for 10 seconds it's pretty wild and she only benches i mean i say only comparably but she benches like 320 something so which is incredible but holding 500 something pounds um that's pretty insane so i mean we'll have our athletes that's kind of taken away from her um you know it seems to have played a big big value i've done it myself um doing heavy holds and whatnot i think it helped a, a ton at first i was like oh shit this feels heavy and then i end up actually benching that weight at the meet at the, the first time so you know it gets to a point where you're handling it pretty proficient and then it's not really a big deal um, but the heavy holds work fantastic. Um, I definitely like heavy rack pulls for deadlifts just to be able to hold that. Even if you just hold it at the top for an yeah. extended period of time. So that's good too. Um, 
any partial range type stuff, pin press, um, block pulls, rack pulls, that's a good point as well. I'd put that under the category of boards, but that's like more specifically um, any kind of partial movement like that. Um, you could do it wherever, pins, um, in, the, in the cage, whatever. So those are your forms of overload, um, and that's what we'll use with the team. So I think no matter what you're doing, I think it's a good strategy to have some sort of overload, get those weights in your hands, or even above that. Uh, I think that is great for CNS training, not as much like gaining strength, but just your nervous system being able to actually fire everything to keep up with that type of load. I think that's very valuable. Even just mentally, it'll you know, show you that you too. can hold it. You know, you're not going to be afraid of the weight or anything. Mentally, too. And I'll tell you, a lot of people, all they need is mental training because the strength is there to just mentally, they're not even close. Like, they don't trust themselves. They don't have confidence in themselves. And unfortunately, some athletes are like that. And some athletes just need that mental boost. Uh, it has nothing to do with their strength. They're already ready to go with their strength. It's just they can't utilize that strength because their mind's not there yet. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, big one, we kind of touched on this earlier when Elvis shared his story, don't max. Um, so the one thing I'll never have our athletes do is actually max out in the gym. I mean, it'll happen sometimes just because, say, it's just the nature of you're getting very strong and you just happen to hit a max with some mm -hmm. sub-volume training or whatever. That's cool, but that's not the goal. Uh, we're not trying to see what we hit in training. That's what the overload stuff is for. Um if a max happens, it happens, but we're not actually going into it like, hey, try to lift as most you can straight weight. It would be with reverse bands or something like that. Um, and that carries with my training as well. I will, I actually despise hitting a max in the gym because then it's like, well, shit, I already hit it. So what am I just going to hit it again at the meet and now it counts? Like, it's just tough mentally for me anyways. I don't know how you would feel about that now. I was... Um, but for me, it's like if I hit, say, like that raw bench, I hit 440 in the gym. I actually ended up hitting 440 at the meet, and I was a little bit pissed about it because I kind of already did it. For me, I'm fine with it. What really bothers me is when I don't hit it at the meet. So it's like, yeah, well, now it's like, yeah. shit, I did it. Now I can't even do it again. It's like I, I've never hit 545 like at a meet, but it's like I hit that in training, and like I know it's there. So yeah, so it's like a because then you know you're not prepared for that day. Yeah. So it's uh, that's a mental thing. So it's like, um, yeah, guys, don't try not to max. I don't ever think it pans out too well. Um, you know, some can get away with with continuing to see improvement at the meet, but I've been to that scenario where I didn't have a quick turnaround time. I pretty much tried to max in the gym is what it ended up being, and then it's like trying to do it again at the meet. It's just frustrating if you can't. It's just like you peaked yourself at the wrong time and you didn't recover for the meet. So um, I recommend not maxing in training, especially close to the meet like that. Um, keep it specific. Okay, keep training specific. So what that means. Uh, so we're not using any crazy for squats, right? We're not using spider bars and safety squat bars for the most part most of the time all right we're not doing uh front squats or um you know whatever the case may be zercher squats you know these things aren't going to be in the peaking phase um for bench press i'm not going to have someone do some kind of crazy close grip feet up type things you know i'm probably majority of the time i'm going to have them do the same exact thing they just did if it's a back squat secondary is a back squat um and it's going to be paused so there's going to be a little twist on it, but it's not really changing the movement. 
uh, bench press. It's going to be, sometimes I'll have athletes continue to do feet up. Sometimes I'll have them do feet down, but it's going to be a bench press. It's going to be same grip. It's going to be pause, double pause, something of that nature. It's not going to be some kind of crazy, um, you know, press off pins or boards or dead press and all that stuff. Uh, it's going to be very specific to what they're going to do at the meet. That's for main movement, secondary movement, um, and you know, to get to accessories as well. Going to utilize a lot of static holds because how are we working in the meet? Right, we are working to hold static positions, so we're not doing lat pull downs actively when we're under the bar. Right, we are trying to just hold a lat pull down position as hard as we can. Um, so I might have an athlete do chin up holds, or I might have them do like a lat pull down hold for time, uh, seal row hold for time, like the bench press, uh, seated row hold for time with bands, a lot of planks hold for time, core stuff, hip stuff. Just holding positions for time, banded squat hold for time. I think you guys get the gist of it. Um, but a lot of that static hold stuff during this time in regards to accessories. So it's less, you're not going to see like those 20 rep sets of of like split squats or something, you know, just throw something at you. But uh, going to look different. There's going to be less of them. Uh, the workouts are shorter. I'm probably going to have a main movement. Oh, less warm-up. I'm not trying to burn someone out with the warm-up, so the warm-up is very specific. Um, main movement, secondary movement, right, all specific. And then three accessory moves. Pair them all together. They're not crazy in volume. Usually it's the lowest period of volume. A lot of static hold stuff. Um, and that's about it, guys. I mean, that's pretty much me peaking in terms of breaking down a training day. Um but recovery time, you're going to have more recovery time. So that's why it's tough for athletes when they get out from doing the meet and then they're thrown right into, like, you don't have any time to recover between sets. You're just booking high reps. That can really um, throw you off because you're not trained for that anymore. Um, you have a lot of recovery time when you're peaking for a meet because you have to keep hitting big weights. So that's that's the case with, with what we do this is goes for any program guys so you can take any of these and put them into any program these are all things that should remain the same um, I take out the fourth day so a lot of our athletes train a fourth day some do not um, I usually won't drop below three but um, I'll take out the fourth day getting a little closer to the meet about three sometimes four weeks out from the meet I will have them just do three days a week if they're accustomed to doing four um, and then the two days leading up to the meet it's two days one day or two days tops, one day sometimes, um, but barely doing anything there. Little barbell work, sometimes no barbell work, depends. Uh, and then, obviously, and I triple underline this thing, guys, rest in recovery. So during the peaking phase, the beginning of it, yeah, you got to push some certain numbers and stuff, but especially within, within three weeks of a peaking phase, if you're within three weeks, there's nothing you're going to do to really get stronger at that point if you've run the rest of your peak good. I mean, for the exemption of like that Paul Carter thing, the three weeks to get ready, um, that's a little bit different ball game because you probably weren't ready to begin with. But if you have run through a six to eight week meet peak, you should be ready three weeks out. And if I remember that one correctly, it's mostly like hit the heaviest weights three weeks out. The second one is just kind of like the overload stuff. And the third one is just getting ready. Yeah, and that make that makes sense to me. Um, that would be a great structure to it because again, what's it prioritizing? Rest and recovery because there's no way around it. You just you can't be handling your heavier heaviest weights a week out from the meet. It's just not going to work out well for you. 
So that is, I triple underline that. No matter what you do, three weeks out, there's nothing you can do to get stronger. There's only things you can do to F it up and have a bad day. All right, so if you think you're playing catch-up, maybe you didn't have a great workout that specific day, listen, you are going to be just fine. I see so many freak out because that maybe that last workout didn't go their way, and they're like, shit, I don't know if I'm ready for this meet. That one felt horrible. You know, if you can rest and recover, usually you're beat up at that time, you're going to be golden, especially if you had some other good days. You can't end on a bad note like that. You can't mentally um, you know, focus on what you did well, and you have to rest and recover because probably one of the reasons you're kind of sucking is because you aren't rest and recovered. So having that period of rest and recovery is going to put you in a much better place. It's one of those things you just find yourself overreaching so much you just have like a shitty workout like two to three weeks out, and that's perfectly fine. And that when you do actually rest and recover, you're actually going to be stronger afterwards. Yeah, but you need to have the mental capacity to understand that. Like, you got to know that's going to happen to you. But that's what we're telling you. That's why you're listening to the bench guest. Got uh, Sir Bench a lot happening. All right, nice. Tony's dropping in. We're looking to uh, work our way down to good old Georgia. Uh, the meet's actually in Tennessee, but, you know, trying to uh, get a crew down there. That'll be fun. But uh, anyways, guys, uh, so like that's why in the last few weeks there, um, I have my athletes communicate me. I tell them I want to hear from you on like a daily basis. I want to hear from you all the time because unless I hear from them because I'm going to have a real regimented, like strict, we're pushing weight during this phase, right? And that's going to be tough for some people and some bumps and bruises are going to come up. But that's why I need to hear about it because if I don't hear about it, I can't do anything about it. If I hear about it, yeah, well, let's take it back a little bit here. Let's add a little there. I'll have some athletes that are fantastic with that. Some I have to kind of push to do that a little bit more than others. But, um, you know, that's that's really like I'll throw it at you. And then it's like I need to hear from you during this time. This is the most critical time I need to hear from you. I need to see videos. Um, super, super important. But um, that's something I'm always kind of in communication with my athletes at. Uh, and making modifications more than any other time in the program is usually in the peaking phase. For that point, exactly, rest and recovery, making sure we're controlling that. That's like the biggest variable you need to control. So we had that uh, question about food intake that I want to touch on. What was that again? It was about um, adjusting your calories, going into a meat and whatnot. Yep. So, um, I mean, this is this is my take. <coughs> um, going into a meat is the time when... Uh, if you're if you're cutting down, you can cut down. If you're maintaining, you can maintain. Um, if you're trying to get big into a meat, you can, but it depends on your goals. Are you trying to drop weight for the meat? Are you trying to lose weight in general? Um, because the training around that time is going to be a, a lot of just nervous system related stuff. Either you're working maxes, you're working speed work, you're doing very low reps. It's a lot of training that no matter what size you are or what you're doing with your calories. Um, and obviously you need to eat enough to recover and whatnot, but the training in general is going to be geared more to the muscle that you have, the strength that you have, making it more efficient. Uh, after the meet, the down season, that's when, you know, it depends again if you're trying to gain or lose, but that's when you'd focus more on that because the training you're going to be doing really affects hypertrophy a lot more. Um, so that's when I'd say if you're trying to maintain or, or bulk up a little bit, that's the time to probably get the most calories because the training reflects like you can you can grow good during this period, but only if you're feeding yourself enough to because you're actually building new muscle tissue. Um, going into a meet, it's all nervous system mostly related training. 
And even though the intensity is higher, the volume is going to be cut way down. Yep. So it's like you you might just like feel you're not even as hungry as you are during mm-hmm. what you would be like after the meat. It's like more neural fatigue than actual like soreness. Like you don't get too sore going into a meat. No, but I want to um, take a nap. Yeah, constantly. Well, see, you see, that's that's it, guys. He wants to take a nap. That's his brain is fried. <laughs> yeah, like like the day of heavy deadlifts in the morning, I like I'll crush them, especially like overloading into the meat, and then I'll just I don't know, I'll be somewhere else the rest of the day. Yeah, his brain is fried. <laughs> uh, you guys know if you guys know, you know, it's just different style of training at that point. So that's what I'd say for you. It depends on what you're doing going into the meat, but I'd say you're you're, you're safer off. When you drop your calories, maintain going into the meat. Definitely, I'd say maintain. I wouldn't. I would about a week or two out. If you're gonna cut weight, you should already like be at that weight that you're gonna cut from, uh, because the process kind of starts around then. If you're dropping a ton, or if you're dropping a little, um, so I would maintain at least two weeks out. But if you're trying to lose weight, I think you're you're good dropping the calories up until like that two week mark. Um, and then again, down season, that would be the time too. if you're going to gain a little bit or put the calories back in and whatnot, that's really the time because you're going to be hitting a lot more hypertrophy training. So a question coming in or no, we got a uh, three to four hours prior is way better so that all of us may join you live. I see. On the he time. wants to get a... Um, Earlier bench cast. Oh, you know what? You know what, my friend? We were going to do a little a little earlier, but I wanted to switch some things around. I actually sold uh, a bench unit today, so I was having someone stop by. We did a lot of filming. So just the way this schedule shaked up, and I think Elvis is going to be doing some new projects now, too, as well. So um, we're probably going to be filming these more in the afternoon. Um, so I apologize if that doesn't work specifically for your time. Uh, but I am hoping that maybe with work and all during the day, uh, a lot more people might, and a majority might be able to join us a bit more. But, um, I but, hear you there, bud. Um, and if you have any questions, so you could always slide into either Benny's or my DMs. You can ask us and we'll answer it on the podcast for you. Yeah, that's always something you could do too, my friend, is uh, message just ahead of time uh, if you want to. Uh, I'll try to get better at like announcing the topics and whatnot that are coming up and, and to join us. And then if you want to respond to that or, you know, I put out a post on our story about anything you'd like to hear um, on the podcast. A lot was programming related, so always feel free to respond to that. Um, but I'll try to be better with that so you can a- ask ahead of time. He so, said, uh, I know you're working hard, Coach, but you look good and strong. Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it, Cat, uh, Giant Killer. Hope you're slaying a lot of giants over there. I haven't seen one, so. You haven't seen a giant? Job well done. Well, he sees a lot of giants. He's killing a lot of them. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's that's pretty much what I want to talk to you there, guys. For those listening, now's the time. I'm going to announce the discount for our programs, the seven-week Shirted Meat Peak bench program the eight week it's called the size of strength i'm probably going to relabel that a little bit but um the eight week program that we have for raw benching as well i'm going to share a discount code you are going to be getting 50 percent off that means you can get these i believe for about something like 20 dollars. all right next to nothing there i'm giving you a whole cut in price there um the code is simply benchcast the bench cast no the just b-e-n-c-h-c-a-s-t bench cast you can use that code when you check out with either the seven week shirted meat peak bench program or the eight week 
bench program. Or if you're a raw lifter, I would use the eight-week bench program. If you're a shirted lifter, specifically um, seven-week meat peak program. Both of these are going to be very um, successful at peaking you to get ready at a certain point in time, which is the whole idea behind a peak. And if you have any questions on them, um, you can absolutely reach out, email me, and I'm uh, happy to help you out with that. But the code is, again, BENCHCAST on checkout. All right, guys, I'm going to uh, answer a couple questions. So if you guys don't have questions, I got some questions of my own that I'm going to ask right now. All right, some things that maybe you're thinking to yourself while you're listening to this and you want the answers to. I'm going to ask them for you. Coach Ben's got the answers for you. All right, when is the final heavy day? Something that gets often uh, asked often. When is the final heavy day? All right. Um, so, like I said, there's not too much within three weeks out that is going to do to help you. Uh, and I, I wouldn't really say openers is heavy. So, the week before the week of the meet, so that's two weeks out. Uh, that's when I'll usually have our athletes take openers. I wouldn't really consider that a heavy day. Our last big heavy overload type day is going to be three weeks out. And that's what you'll see, especially in the seven-week sure to meet peak program. That big workout is uh, three weeks out. For some of our uh, female athletes in, in particular and some of our male athletes who might not be uh, at, at a high intensity, so maybe they're benching going for 200, just, let's just say, or you know, they're squatting three hundred. You know, it's nothing that it's it's great for them, but uh, it's not going to place a huge taxing overload on them. Um, they're usually like in that newbie gainer stage, right? Um, they'll go about two weeks out, so they can actually do their heavy work the week before the meet, and then rest the week of. Probably wouldn't even work up the openers, just like raw like warm ups, maybe openers that week, and then the meet. Um, but they'll do their heavy day two weeks out if you're handling a good amount of weight. Um, for the majority of those who I work with, we end up doing it three weeks out and then resting from there. Okay, so that answers that question. When is your openers? Well, I just answered that. Um, that would be either the week of um, for, for select few females and, and lighter weight men. Um, or... Openers would be the week before for uh, a lot of people just lifting very heavy. And, uh, you know, some females, too, they're lifting, like, major weight, and I'll have them rest more. So um, they'll do their openers then. We got a quick question from John Killer Beast. Before we start your program, what are the gym equipments absolutely necessary for the program to work? Because he works at a minimalist gym near his office with only free weights, dumbbells, and barbells. Uh, well, so with any of these programs, I always design them with the commercial gym in mind. So if that's like what uh, your layout is, is like a commercial gym, there should not be anything you shouldn't be able to do in there. If there is, uh, then you can just message me and we can make a modification. But, um, yeah, anytime I write these programs, the templates, uh, they're designed with the commercial gym in mind. And uh, those who work with me directly, obviously, that's a big question we ask in that consultation process is uh what equipment do you have available so you know that it's really specific for those who work with me one-on-one but for templates it's always i try to make that you could do that in a commercial gym um so if some reason you can't uh, even in the garage gym usually you can get these done you just need a barbell weight and a bench um so you should be able to do all of these so no problems there um 
And uh, one more question I figure that uh, people might have to ask is, how are openers determined? So we kind of already touched on how we already know about where we're going to be at a meet is from those certain indicator lifts. Before you start there, from having been at a couple, many meets now, you're telling me that my opener should not be impossibly heavy. That is correct. Because every time I go into the meet, <laughs> I see a group of people go in and their opener, it looks like molasses. Their warm-ups look like molasses. I, we, we see that every meet. Uh, but obviously they are not listening to the bench cast or they would know. Um, I think we touched on this quite a bit. Anytime we talk about programming, um, I think that's probably the, the biggest beginner mistake is is how you determine your openers. Uh, but I, I got taught a while ago that your opener should be something that you could do at 3 a.m. when the fire alarm goes off and you were sick the night before. That's We could do a whole thing about when uh, how you could do your openers like that. Um, you know, openers, you could, be, you could be throwing up all day and still go in and hit your opener. Um, I mean, you could. I don't know, think of some good ones. Oh god! You could. You could. Uh, uh, your toilet could blow up. Spray water <laughs> all over you. You throw up as a result. Shit yourself. You can still hit your opener. Um, car breaks down. Walk five miles home. Um, you know, your pet died. You can still go and hit your opener. Listen, you could have. You could have. Some, you could have a questionable burrito. You could have some suspect sushi. You can hit your opener in the process. <laughs> All right? So you can hit your opener during any of those times, guys. Um, but like you said, I already I know the meat attempts because those indicator lifts that we talked about, you know, certain certain lifts that are like, oh, you know, this one really good. It was a Maxwell reverse band. Went really good. You know, the opener, um, you know, I know we're usually going to either be at around 93% of the the max your current max projected max ninety three percent of that or something you could triple um, or again something that um, you know if you blew your pinky up in a firework accident you could still go into the gym and hit your opener while bleeding out you know so <laughs> oh, I'm just saying I think this week was JPP's first week back from uh, he go. had a he had a car accident over the uh, off season. That's unfortunate for that guy. He's Bank. had a rough go. He's had a rough go. Was he in the 2007 Super Bowl? I can't even remember. I don't e- I Was he even I, on the I'm Giants? I'm almost 100% he was in was. for the 2011 one. He was definitely in for one of them. I forget, though. Any Pats fans out there, you might know. Because <laughs> they tanked us up. Anyways, uh, that's all I got. Um, again, that discount code, Big Bench, or I'm sorry, BenchCast. BenchCast is the discount code for the 7 and the 8 week program. Alright guys, and I want to just drop a couple notes real quick, get this business out of the way. Anyone wondering how they can get involved with our team for a very low investment, that would be our VIP membership guys. All these programs I just talked about, you can receive them free for joining our VIP program. Alright, that you can go to bigbenches.com, go to VIP membership, that is the tab there, and you can sign up there. You get free program templates. You can get your videos reviewed. You can join our team, get interactive with that group. You're going to see bonus content, 
you know, we're going to do events, giveaways, things like that. Um, you know, I'm working on some new stuff for that group. We're going to start hosting, I believe, some some live um, like Q and A kind of webinar things in some sorts coming up here. But you know, that VIP membership is something you guys are going to want to look into. All you got to do go to bigbenches.com, click VIP membership, see if that's something you want to join in on. Plus, um, being a part of that membership gives you 50% off our online course, which is now um, accessible. All right, and you can also see that at bigbenches.com. There's a tab for our online course. If you would really like to, to get deep into the technique behind the bench, you need some technical help, uh, you're just not finding it elsewhere. Our videos are helping, but it's you know you got to have some organization to it. You want a bench program to run through. You know, the online course is going to deliver that all. If you can't invest in working with me directly, um, then this is an affordable option. It's $99, three payments of $33. You're going to get six modules over 40-plus technical videos in a logical order of how to go through them, how it's going to help you the most. Um, you are going to receive all that breakdown. There's hours and hours of bonus content and video and whatnot to shift through there. So you got your hands full. It's going to teach you a ton. You're going to get good at technique on the bench press. Or you're going to get stronger. It comes with that six-week bench program. Like I said, if you're a VIP member, 50% off that. So you're getting that online course for 50 bucks. All right, that's a steal, guys. Check that out. See if that's something you want to do. That investment point is incredibly low. Not even It's just a fraction of what it would cost for a one-on-one -on -one coaching. Obviously, that's an option if you want to go that route as well, or top-tier coaching. But anyways, guys, I appreciate everyone listening. Again, leave a review on iTunes, and I will make sure to shout you out on the BenchCast. Happy Halloween to everyone. Safe trick-or-treating. Don't eat the rotten Skittles. I don't know if we covered that in this one or not. But we didn't, but I got three bad ones in that there's, bag. There's this little mini mini snack pack. We got these Skittles, and they're all great, except these ones that are zombie Skittles. They're rotten ones. They taste pretty shitty, and uh, they're the same colors as all the others, so you don't know you're eating them. So it's kind of uh, it's a pretty sick and twisted joke because Skittles are beautiful candy, and they totally twisted your mind on them. There. The worst part is, he told me there was going to be like tops two in the bag. I got those two right out of the way. I thought I was in the clear. Second to <laughs> last boom. one. Boom. That's it. There's usually only two, but you, you never know. Anyways, everyone, happy Halloween. Hope you dress up is awesome. Hope it's just as good as what we saw today, dressed up as Elvis. If anyone wants to dress up as Elvis or Coach Ben, I'll, I'll send you a shirt. Um, just make sure you tag me in it. And uh, that's it. That's the wrap, guys. Thank you for listening to uh, The Benchcast.